The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. I'd like to talk with you today about the positive power of priorities, the positive power of priorities in your life. Now, when you hear the word priorities, you probably think of this kind of vague, distant thing that doesn't really have to do with you. But did you know that you have priorities? Did you know that you carried them in here with you today? Uh, Even if you're not aware of it, you have priorities. You brought them with you. I don't know what your highest priority today is. I know for some people, it's fantasy football. I know for some people, it's uh, Facebook updates. I know for uh, probably a lot of teenagers, it's, you know, uh, if a certain person's going to look at them or talk to them. I don't know what your highest priority is today. Maybe it's to take a nap. Maybe it's to eat a good lunch. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. I don't know what your priorities are. And actually, as we look into God's word, we're going to see that you probably don't know what your priorities are. We tend to have blind spots when it comes to what our priorities actually are. If there are kids growing up in our house, they probably have a better idea of what our priorities are than we do. Today we're going to learn the skill. This is a skill, the positive power of priorities. It's essentially a skill that you've got this deck of cards in life, and if you shuffle it just a little bit, if you change the order of a couple things in your priorities, it can revolutionize your life. We're going to see a story in Luke 18 where Jesus explains this to a wealthy, healthy, powerful young man. And this young man comes to Jesus and says, uh, Jesus, what do I do to get eternal life? And, and Jesus says, well, you know, you got to do these certain things. He says, oh, I've, I've got all those. He's got the right ingredients, right? He's got the, the cards. And Jesus says, okay, good, you're good. All, all you got to do is change one priority. That's it. Just change one priority and it will revolutionize your life. And we're going to see when we get to that story that this, this rich young ruler refuses to make that change in his life. And that's God's message for you today. If you will just reorder a couple things in your life, he will rebuild your life. He will change your life. So let's get our hands in the dirt and let's kind of talk about what are our priorities today in our life. And I thought I'd start us with a little game of prioritizing. You guys are going to do great at this because you know, prioritizing is really just putting things in order, right? Uh, doing the, the first most important thing first. So here's our first, our first game is priorities in raising a child, okay? So we've got a few things here. Um, you, you want your child to read. You want them to be able to talk and listen, verbal communication. You, eventually, you want them to, to dress themselves, right? That's no fun when they're in high school and you still have to pick out their clothes, you, you want them to eat and drink. That's important. You, you want them also to be potty trained, as, as I've explained in recent weeks here about some of my own little ones. Okay, so let's prioritize these. Let's put them uh, in their order. Uh, you know, potty training definitely has got to be up there, right? Because if your kid can read Latin but is not potty trained, potty training's high, okay? But they're not going to potty train. They're not going to live if they're not eating and drinking, right? So we'd probably go something like, Eating and drinking, number one. Potty training, number two. Verbal communication, uh, that's got to be high. And then it's sort of a toss-up, right, between reading and dressing themselves. uh, These are all important, right? But priorities is just getting them in the right order, okay? You guys with me? All right, let's do another one. Let's build a house 
together, okay? Here are some components of a house. You've got your carpet, nice thick shag carpet. You've got some drywall. You've got a roof, some walls. Okay, where should we start, right? If, if you start with this, you know, luscious carpet and, and you bring in the best drywaller, but you don't have a roof, your carpet and drywall is going to get pretty nasty when monsoon season hits, right? So you need a roof, but to have a roof, you need some walls. If you don't want your walls to fall down or to crack, you need a foundation, right? So we'd probably go foundation first, walls second, roof, and then it'd be sort of a toss-up, right? You're going to do the carpet first or the drywall. Okay, you guys are following with me? All right, here's the last one. This is your life. We all have these same categories in our lives. We all have some possessions, right? We have homes or vehicles, retirement accounts, uh, phones, smartphones, computers, Apple products, non-Apple products, clothes, right? We've all got possessions and we've all got entertainment and comfort, right? We've got our TV shows we like to watch. We've got our ways that we relax. We've got our, uh, maybe in your home, you have a chair that belongs to a certain person that's there. That's their chair. Usually correlates with a remote control, their chair and their remote. We've all got our physical health, right? Uh, even if you don't really think about your physical health, you probably are eating and sleeping. And we've, of course, got our relationships with the people we love. And we all, you're all here today because you know you have a relationship with God. Now, when we look at these, probably because we're in church and it sounds like the right answer, we'd all probably say that what one would be first? R relationship with God. You know, but is that actually what God says? Does he actually say a relationship with him should be first? Yes, he does. Absolutely. Okay. So I, to illustrate this, I brought in some of Jack's uh, blocks for us. Okay. So we're going to look at two different lives. And, and here's the first life, the life, the blueprint that God gives you. And he says, here's my priorities for your life. He says, you know, first of all, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? This is first thing. Make God your first thing. Everything else will fall into place. That's what God says. What does he say next? He says, um, you know, people ask Jesus, and they say, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you can sum the whole Bible up this way. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul and mind, dot, 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 and your neighbor as yourself. Here's God's priority for you. Number two is your, your neighbor. Number three, you know, theologians could probably debate on, but God does say that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. After you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. That's pretty important. All of these are important. It's just a matter of what order they go in. Just like all the things we looked at with a kid in a house are important, but the order matters. So, you know, let's say the next two, we can argue about what order they are. Your comfort and entertainment, Sabbath rest, that's important, that's in Scripture, and your possessions, which God says are a spiritual thing, but, but he says, don't make them your number one thing. In the book of Proverbs, it says, don't wear yourself out to get rich, because riches take wings and, and fly away. So that's the life that God has for us. Now, you know, if you really want to know your priorities, if you have kids at home, you can ask them. Can't use the word priority, probably, but you could ask them some questions. They could help you understand. Really, probably the best way would be to have a total stranger look at your checking account, and look at your calendar. And they're going to be able to see pretty easily from your time and your resources what matters to you. Now, 
Uh, most of us would say this is the way to live a life. For very many of us, if someone looked at our calendar and our checking account, what they'd see is that, you know, we, we work really hard to get a lot of possessions. And then we have to insure our possessions, to maintain our possessions. You know, you get the RV and then you have to store it somewhere and then you have to and then you have to pay the insurance on it. And then when you get it out, you have to pay someone to get it going again. And, you know, we just, we, we have all these possessions. And, and again, there's nothing morally wrong with possessions. But a lot of us, if you looked at our uh, finances and our time, you know, we spend a lot of time working for our possessions. And we get so tired working for our possessions that we get home. And we just want to relax and some comfort and entertainment. And naturally, we still eat and drink, right? We don't forget that for the most part and sleeping. And then we've got these uh, people that we, we do love. So, oh, yeah, we got, you know, got to invest in them. Uh, and then, of course, there's, oh, yeah, there's God, right? There's God, too. So, so we better put him on there. And that's, that's where a lot of our lives, in reality, end up. And the problem is that storms come into our lives, and they kind of shake us up. And I'm not going to shake this and knock it over, but you can tell by looking at it, it wouldn't take much would it, to knock that over. So this morning, I want to encourage you to open your heart and really be honest with you and God. What are the priorities in your life? What order are these blocks in in your life? And here's God's promise to you today. You will see God rebuild your life when you choose to reprioritize. Or you could put it this way, I will not experience God's full power to rebuild my life until I choose to reprioritize. Now, this is not work salvation. This is not saying God doesn't love you unless you're a perfect pyramid, okay? God loves us when our, when our lives are just totally collapsed. He loves us when our lives are in shambles. His love for us doesn't depend on how we perform. And, and if you're here today and, and you've never heard that before, you need to know that having a relationship with God uh, accepting his gift of salvation for eternity. It's a free gift that we accept. But even that requires a little bit of reprioritizing. We have to take ourselves off of the throne in our lives and we have to say, Jesus, you are the Lord. I am a sinner. I need you to save me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I need your forgiveness. Uh, scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again, you will be saved. So, so our salvation doesn't depend on our great prioritizing of our lives. But then after we come to know Christ, scripture says we are adopted into the family of God. And God has these great plans for you, sons and daughters of the king. He has these great plans for you, but it is your choice. If you want to live the life he has for you, or if you want to live the old life like that prodigal son in Luke 15 who ran away to Vegas and blew his inheritance and, and ended up broke and friendless and homeless. It's up to you if you want to do that spiritually with your life. And so Jesus, we're going to see in his word today, says, and he says to us, come follow me, follow my example. You could never do it in your own strength as a sinner, but if you've placed your faith in God the Father, if you've placed your faith in the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, I will empower you to live this new life. So now come and follow me. And we're going to see Jesus use these exact words here in Luke chapter 18. Because why does he say follow me? Because the day's coming when you're going to be in heaven. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. But until then, 
while you're in this fallen world, he wants to start rebuilding your life right now. He wants to start rebuilding your relationships, rebuilding your emotions, rebuilding your habits, rebuilding your finances. He wants to start that right now. But the question to you today is, will you follow him? Will you shuffle the cards? Will you reprioritize to live this life instead of living the life that most of us live? Okay, in Luke chapter 18, I'm going to start reading in verse 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Jesus here is kind of, is kind of saying, do you think I'm just a teacher or do you acknowledge that I am God on earth? And then he says this in verse 20, you know the commandments, don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Well, the, the man replies, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. I'm pretty spotless, Jesus. I feel like my life's in really good shape. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In this story, we find this, this man who really, his life is mostly put together from his perspective. And Jesus says, you, you lack one thing. If you'll reprioritize this one thing, then you can follow me. You can have the life I have for you. But the, the, the just reordering this one thing, as simple as that sounds, it was just too much for this guy. And we see that you know what he thought was his greatest strength, all his wealth, turned out to actually be his greatest weakness. His view of himself was so different than God's view of himself. And by the way, your view of yourself is so different from God's view of you in that God loves you so much more than you think. He sees so much more in you than you think. And so in love, he comes to you and he says, change this in your life, not because I'm trying to stifle you, not because I'm trying to squash you, but because I, I want you living in freedom. In fact, in uh, the Gospel of Mark's account of this same story, uh, it says, Jesus looked at him and had compassion on him. Jesus looked at him and and loved him. Jesus felt bad for him. Whereas people would look at this guy and they would envy him because he had so much gold and so much stuff, Jesus looks at him and feels bad for him because he sees the gold and the possessions for what they are, chains around this man's soul. And Jesus says, just reprioritize this one thing and follow me. By the way, those words, come follow me, you've heard before. Those are the same words that Jesus spoke to Peter, to Andrew, to James, to John. Jesus was giving this guy the opportunity to be one of his disciples. But he had this choice to make. Am I going to reprioritize and follow Jesus? Or am I going to keep living in my life where really my, my possessions and my own comfort, they're actually 
number one. And, and, and unfortunately, in this guy's case, he chooses not to reprioritize, and we never hear about him again. The last thing we ever hear about him in eternity is that he's very sad. He's very sad. Well, let's look at a more positive example of reprioritizing in the book of Nehemiah. We've been studying God's people some 2,400 years ago. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. And in this day, uh, the, the whole economy of a city, uh, you know, I mean, if you've studied economics, the economies, uh, the economies center around big cities. That's why in, you know, New York, we had the World Trade Center. You, you've got these major places of trade. And big cities have things like infrastructure. And they have a certain level of protection from crime so that businessmen can bring in their assets and do business without fear. Well, in Jerusalem's case, when you, when you got, as a nation, conquered by someone else, they would intentionally destroy your infrastructure. And they would destroy the most important part of infrastructure, which at this time was not your, your you know, internet connections. It was your city walls. These big stone walls that would, would keep out all sorts of different kinds of marauders and enemies and people who would come in and loot you. If you don't have city walls... You spent your life at this time kind of on the defense. If you had city walls, then within those walls, you could begin to build up trade and, and strong relationships, and, and you could really begin to build up wealth. Well, here's the first thing we see in Nehemiah chapter 2. For years, the people of Jerusalem lived in rubble. They had the resources to rebuild, but they never got around to making that a priority. And so here's the lesson for us. We rarely see the flaws in our own priorities. I mean, think about it. These people, every day, they're stepping over the rubble. And I don't know, are some of them thinking, well, one of these days, we're going we're gonna to get to those walls. But here they are. And, and notice, when we've seen, we saw last week when we were in chapter 3, Nehemiah shows up. He doesn't bring a, a whole bunch of resources. I mean, he brings some resources, but really, the only thing they were missing was the priority to say, hey, let's all get together and rebuild. The, the builders were all there. The materials were there. They just never made it a priority. Nehemiah saw this in chapter 2, verse 13, when he surveys the walls and sees that they're broken down and that the gates have been destroyed by fire. But the people, they're just living in it. It's kind of like that TV show about hoarders, right? They just, they just live in it. And if someone else comes into their house, they'd say, oh, this, is, this needs some work, right? But, but as, the, as that hoarder is, is living in it, it just gets really comfortable. And, and we are that way. This is the first lesson about our priorities is a humility to acknowledge I am not good at assessing my own priorities. I tend to think my priorities are like this when they're really like this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2 says, All a man's ways are right in his own eyes. You don't meet too many people who say, uh, Yeah, my, my priorities really need help. And in fact, God's word says that's God's grace when he opens our eyes to realize, Wow, I need to make some changes. And, and, and if you're realizing that today, that's God's grace to you. In our old self, enslaved in sin, we don't even see that. We don't even realize it. So here's my question for you. Where's the rubble in your life? These people of God who were sons and daughters of the king who had, God had these great plans for them, they're living 
in rubble, what things are broken down in your life? Are, are you living in rubble in your marriage? Are you living in rubble in your finances? Is, has your legacy crumbled? Is your legacy rubble? I asked a group of, uh, of you guys earlier this week, I really wanted to get into what does this look like in our lives? How, how do we, where are we here and we don't realize it? Where's their rubble? So here's the kind of things we're talking about. We're talking about not taking your kids to youth group because you want them to get all A's. And their success academically is the highest priority, not their relationship with God. We're talking about there's either, boy, you know, I could either start tithing. I know, I know God says where my treasure is, my heart will be. Or, or I could, there's this new car with this car payment and then the insurance. And, and we're talking about having a spouse, you know, this, this second one, and really investing in them and loving them versus just kind of living with them. We're talking about real things in our lives, you know. Uh, flat screen TVs, trips to Disneyland, timeshares, second homes. Nothing wrong with these things. But we're talking about the reality that for a lot of us, they're, they're right here. They are what we are living for. And then the storms of life come and our life topples or it shakes and, and we, we think, God, what's going on? You know, I, I can't tell you how many people come in, uh, you know, there's people who come and say, I, I can't believe God would let this happen to our marriage. And believe me, God loves you. He wants to help you rebuild no matter what. But, but when, when the husband's addicted to pornography and the wife's been finding all of her emotional fulfillment in other men, God didn't do that. We did that. People say, I can't believe God would let this happen to my finances. It, was there ever one month in your life that your checking account put the kingdom of God first? If there was, you, you're probably wouldn't find your finances in shambles. I'm not trying to preach legalism to you guys, okay? I'm telling you, your salvation is by grace. And in love, God says to you, seek me first in my kingdom, Matthew 6, And all these things will be added to you. But when you seek those things first, you lose your life. So let's look at our second principle here today. The people had to be shaken up and challenged to rebuild. Nehemiah in chapter 2 verse 17 goes to the leaders and he says, don't you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates are burned with fire. Well, they, they knew that. But they needed someone to come along and kind of grab them by the collar and shake them up and say, don't you guys see what's happening? And, and there's times in our lives when we need to be shaken up. You know, this is why addicts need interventions, Right? This is why uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's so big to get people that first step of, I am an addict. Because most addicts don't think they're addicts. I'm not a porn addict. I, I, just, I just, it's kind of a nice outlet sometimes. I'm not an alcoholic. It just helps me to relax at the end of the day. I, I'm not addicted to shopping. I just, when I go shopping, it makes me feel better. We, we are very blind about ourselves. And very often in his grace, God will allow life to shake us. And we'll start to feel like we're going to topple or we do topple. And that's God's grace. 
when that happens. It's our consequences of our actions. But like a good parent, he, he lets those consequences come into our life. So I wonder for you today, where have you been shaken up lately? Is it in a, a friendship? Is it in your career? Is it in your finances? Is it in your marriage? Is it your relationship with God? Or maybe you're here today and you know I need to be shaken up in this area. Well, if, if you know that, I'd encourage you to get ahead of the curve. <laughs> I'd encourage you to, to come to God in humility and say, God, before my life topples, I, I would like you to help me reorder things because Jesus, I do want to follow you. I do want to live the life that you have for me. Next lesson for us today, the people had to give up something to rebuild. And think about this. We saw in chapter three, this just patchwork of one group of people would build one section of the wall. The next would build, the next would build. We don't know for sure how long it all took. There's one verse that says 52 days. We don't know if that was just half of the wall or the whole thing, but it was a long time. 52 days would be a lot of days to miss work, right? Without unemployment, without disability, uh, without any kind of insurance. Every day these people were rebuilding was a day that they weren't out in their field sowing their crops. It, it was a day that they weren't, if they were a potter, making their wares. If they were a goldsmith, we know there were some goldsmiths. They, weren't, they, they left their trade for this time. They had to give something up to rebuild. And this is, I think, where a lot of us derail. Uh, we see that there's a, a wrong priorities. We see that we need some more of God in our lives and some less, but we, we think that we have this unlimited capacity. Well, I can get more God and not let go of anything else. And, and again, it's a humility that says, nope, I'm a pretty limited, fallible being. If I really want to put God and others first, then you know, I have limits on my time, on my finances. I have limits mentally. I have limits with my skills. And, and so I'm going to have to let go of some other things if I'm really serious about rebuilding. These people couldn't have rebuilt their walls and continued their life exactly as it was. So here's our question for you today. What do you need to give up in order to rebuild? It's the Holy Spirit's job to, to reveal to you what that is. I can't know what it is. It's not even really any of my business. I know all, very often in my life, I have to give up my own expectations. I tend to put these expectations on myself that are, are not from God or from anyone else. Do you need to give up some of your expectations? Do you need to give up other people's expectations of you? Do you need to give up the culture's expectations that you'll live in a better home and gardens home and you'll wear, you know, J. Crew or Abercrombie you know, model catalog clothes and someday you'll drop your kids off at Ivy League College in a new Jaguar or BMW. I mean, what is it that you need to give up? Expectations about your retirement, expectations about your grandkids. I, I don't know what you need to give up, but, but, but would you just simply ask God today, Lord, Lord, I want your priorities in my life. I want to follow Jesus. Show me just like you did that rich young ruler. If it's my riches I need to give up, Lord, they're yours. I was talking about this with a man in our church this last week, and 
he said for him, you know, he came to this moment where he realized that his retirement was his highest priority. He had worked his whole life for it. And it was not only a possession, but it was also what would guarantee his comfort and security for the rest of his life. And he told me this story of this crisis that he had where he had to get to the place where he told God, God, if you want it, the whole thing is yours. He said when he, when he got to that point, that, that his whole life changed. And, and then, you know, he didn't feel, he, he hasn't yet felt led by the Lord to give it all away. But to, in his heart to get to that place where God, if you led me and my wife together to give it all away, we would and we would trust you because you are our first priority. And he said, once I got to that place in my heart, it changed my life. And I realized that that, that thing that I thought was going to keep me safe was actually stifling me. It was holding me back. I don't know what you need to give up to rebuild, but we all have to give up something if we really want to rebuild. Let me explain very briefly that Jesus rarely forces us to give up our wrong priorities. He simply reveals them and he lets us choose. And the choice we make reveals our heart. This is exactly what happened with the rich young ruler. He heard this, he became very sad. And what we don't see, we don't see Jesus chase after the man. We don't see Jesus begging on his knees in front of the man. No, no, please, please, please. Jesus just says, hey, here's, I love you. I have your best in mind. If you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. And then he lets you choose. And by the way, when you choose, as you read on in this passage, Peter says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And he says, I know, Peter, You're, you are going to be rewarded more than tenfold in kingdom come. I see, Peter, that you've chosen me. But was Peter perfect? No, praise God that he was such a mess up, right? Because I need that. That's what's kept me in the game is Peter's mess ups. None of the disciples were perfect, okay? This isn't about being perfect. This is just about your heart saying, okay, Jesus, I will follow you, whatever the price. And when you do this, you'll stumble and Jesus will pick you up. He'll help you keep going. And maybe you've done this in the past, but, but in recent months or years, you know, this happens really slowly. This is kind of like, it just kind of happens. <laughs> and maybe you're here and Jesus today is saying, I want to pick you up. I want to get you back here. I, I, I want you seeking first the kingdom again for your own good, for your own freedom for your own joy and contentment. The question under this is, what are you willing to sacrifice to reprioritize God as number one and others as number two? Sometimes it's just silly things, you know? Am I willing to give up Facebook? Like every, about every month, I'll end up deleting the Facebook app on my phone because I'll just realize I'm just spending too much time on it. And I'll delete it for a few weeks. And then, you know, I, I, I want to stay connected. So I bring it back. But every once in a while, I'll just realize, well, here, here's what I realize is when the kids are running around and I'm standing like this, it's time to delete it again. So it could be something that silly. 
Or it could be something as big as, you know, we, we never have tithes. We've never really put God first in our finances. Uh, whatever it is, what are you willing to sacrifice, to reprioritize? God is number one. Others is number two. Next lesson, the very thing that people sought, their prosperity and their security, it came when they stopped working for more and started working for the Lord. And this is a principle that as a pastor's kid and having grown up around so many missionaries, I I just cannot tell you how true this is, okay? I grew up, my parents have the same house that that I came home to when I was born, okay? My dad always drove 15, 20-year-old, rusted-out Michigan cars. My dad always tithed 20%. When, When us four boys, when it came time for college, he didn't have money for any of us. But you know what? We all graduated debt-free. We're all doing fine. In fact, some of my brothers are doing really fine. And, you know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, I've never seen the righteous man forsaken by God or his children begging bread. My dad just, he just lived this life. And I got to tell you, as a junior hire, it was so annoying. It really was. Because the cars we drove were so nasty and... You know, he was just so out of touch with the cool neon and stuff that was in style. He, he really missed out. And, and now here he is. And, and just by seeking first the kingdom, you know, house is fully paid off. Kids are all doing well. But he didn't seek those things. He just sought first the kingdom. I, I just cannot overemphasize this point to you guys. Now, if we're doing it for this, then our pyramid's inverted, right? But if we're doing it for this, what does Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek first my kingdom and its righteousness, and, and these things will be added to you. He never says you won't have problems in life or that everything, you know, Jesus says you will have trouble in this world. But, but this, this principle is real, and it happened for the people of Jerusalem, Right? They all wanted prosperity and security. That's why they weren't working on the wall because they were working on providing for themselves. But when they all said, okay, we're going to reprioritize. God wants us to rebuild the wall. We'll put our own things on hold. We'll rebuild his work for his city. Well, then now they're in a metropolis with infrastructure and they're able to start building wealth again. And more importantly, they're able to start worshiping the Lord in the temple. And we're going to see in chapter 8 that this great spiritual revival follows when they move from here to here because that's a movement of the heart. Because what we call priorities, God calls worship. What we give our worth to. And when we live over here and we all do it, God calls it idolatry. Because whatever it is that's our number one, By the way, you know, God doesn't talk about highest and lowest priorities. He talks about first. Why? Because a lot of times we do the first thing, we do a couple more things, and we never get to the other things. Right? That's why why sometimes I never reply to an email. Because because I I try, but it's not my first, email's not my first thing. And I apologize if it is your first thing. But it's not my first thing. Why? Because I know... I can have a first thing, I can have about four things, and and then stuff starts to fall off. And God just says, make me first. Just make me first. Don't make me higher. 
in your priorities. Just make me first. Jesus put it this way in Luke 9, verse 24. Whoever seeks his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If God's speaking to you today, if he's getting through to you, how do you make some changes? Well, he's probably, the Holy Spirit's probably revealing those. But let's close with some really practical stuff. Reprioritizing happens in the brick and mortar of time and money. Now, reprioritizing is about our hearts, right? And for the people of Jerusalem, it was about their hearts. Are they going to return to God? Are they going to do things his way? But what did that look like to return to God? It looked like literal bricks and mortar. And for us, it looks like time and money because they reveal where our hearts are. What we spend our time doing shows what we worship. So I'm going to close with just two questions for you today. First, where in your time will you reprioritize? And get this, this is really important, to make God the center and not the afterthought in your schedule. When it comes to your schedule, is it, okay, uh, I've got to work, I've got these other things, it's the weekend, we've got to do some stuff around the house, there's the golf game, there's football, and, and where God can fit in, when God fits in, I fit him in. Or, or, or is it, you know, my, my schedule's blank. And, and the first thing is, I need to be with God's people. I, I, I need some brothers and sisters who actually know me, whether that's a home group or just a group of men and women that you know. Maybe they're even believers from other churches, but you get together with them regularly and you, you get real about your life. Da- daily time in his, in his word or in prayer. Is he the center or is he the afterthought? And second question is the same with our finances. And I, you know, uh, for me, I, I just can't tell you guys how much this one really, really changed my life and my heart. When I realized the power of every pay period, the first check I write is for God's work. And as I write it, that's why I'm always saying Luke 12, 34 here, because I'm always saying it to myself. Where my treasure goes, my heart will go. God, with this treasure, take my heart. And I realize, wow, the power of of physically, literally making him first. And then, okay, there's not enough for a second Costco trip this month. There's not enough for uh, that, that vacation. There's not enough. That's okay. We put the first thing first. And with it, I, you know, I, I, it's something I can't verbalize, but my heart has followed with it. And I'm so thankful for it. Well, I'm going to close by just reading you guys some lyrics that we'll sing together in a moment. In fact, why don't we stand together and we'll pray together. There's a song that I sang a lot growing up, and it, it's actually the song that, you know, one time someone was preaching about, hey, are you going to live your life to make money, or would you surrender to full-time ministry if God called you into it? And this was the song when I made that, that choice. It's the song that goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Would you pray with me? Father, we're here today, Lord, and we know that we are imperfect, but we're here because you are perfect, and you are loving, and you are good. And Father, you have such good plans for every man and woman in this room, Lord. You, you want to see them thriving in you. You want to see them bearing eternal fruit that remains. You want to see them storing up treasure in heaven. Lord, you, you want them uh, emotionally and, and, and financially and, and in every way of their life, you have better plans than we have for ourselves. And so, Lord, whatever the work is that you're doing in each of our hearts today, we just say to you, Jesus, I've decided to follow you. Lord, whatever the cost, wherever it takes me, whatever it means, it might feel like great sacrifice to me, but Lord, I trust in you and I will follow you. Jesus, would you give us grace today that none of us would be that rich young ruler, that none of us would would finish this life very sad because when we could have followed you by just shuffling a couple things, instead we We sought first our own kingdom. Jesus, help us today to seek you first, to follow you. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.